0: Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this special Good Friday edition of the Next Step Press podcast, where we help you take a next step. It's a bright, sunny day here in Brighton, Michigan. There's eight boats on the water, including a paddle boat carrying my eldest and my youngest child, who happen to be taking a brief break from learning online. In today's episode, I'll be unpacking Kip Fox's song, Thieves on a Cross. You can find that on page 57 of the hymn journal, When From Death I'm Free. I actually preached the first part of this podcast as a sermon at Shepherd of the Lakes here in Brighton, Michigan, for Ash Wednesday. That was just when sheltering in place had started during this time of COVID-19. And you'll hear me unpack Kip Fox's song verse by verse as we walk through selected verses from Luke chapter 23, the account of Jesus' crucifixion and the thief on the cross who prays, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. After you've heard that sermon and listened to the verses of the Kip Fox song, I'll welcome back Valerie Matthias, the lead illustrator for When From Death I'm Free. I actually got to tag this part on to our original podcast way back before we started sheltering in place, so you'll hear Valerie and me talking in the same room back when that used to be a thing we we'll actually get to look at Valerie's artwork on page 65. It's part of a visual faith experiment called a secret code prayer. And Valerie will let you know what she was thinking as she put pen to paper and prepared that visual faith experiment for us. Thanks for joining us today. This Good Friday seems a little bit crazy with everything going on in the world. And yet the focus of this Good Friday is the focus of every Good Friday, Jesus Christ crucified for us. Thanks for joining us here on the Next Step Podcast. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight I want to sit with this hymn from Kip Fox, this song called Thieves on a Cross. You can find it in this One from Death, I'm Free book. If you've got that at home, it's on page 57. And I want to sit with those words from Luke chapter 23 and, and maybe even go a little bit more in depth because... Kip Fox has done a good job of mirroring his song with the text of Luke chapter 23. So first, I want to back up to Luke 23, verse 32. This is the Jesus-centered Bible. It's the New Living Translation, not the NIV or ESV. So it might be a little different from you, but you can follow along at home. Maybe take some notes in your margin. Feel free to color or draw while we sit here together tonight and explore God's Word. Verse 32 of chapter 23. Uh, two others, both criminals, were led out t- to be executed with Jesus. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his w- right and one on his left. Kip Fox's song begins with this verse, We are all thieves on a cross, meriting mutiny's cost, destined to suffer eternal loss. We are all thieves on a cross." You know, it's a pretty common thing to talk about this criminal as a thief. Actually, in Matthew and in Mark, he's called a thief or perhaps a, a bandit or, or a robber. I, I guess there is a difference. I mean, a thief is someone who sneaks into your house while you're asleep or away and he, by stealth, takes your stuff. A bandit is somebody who waits for you to come by the road and knocks you on the head and takes your stuff. Same basic idea, but a little bit different. Definitely a robber or bandit is more violent. And in the first century, these bandits uh, would have probably been, you can kind of think Robin Hood and his merry men, except not as many tights and and not nearly as nice a guy's. These are people that may have even been forced off their land by some of the changes in that early first century. Uh, Things like smaller farms being gobbled up by what was being more and more a Roman area of control and so these are people who as long as they had lived had had owned that land and that land had belonged to them by promise and now they're having to farm it for somebody else some of them took to the caves and the highways and the byways and became bandits and in so doing they also became enemies of the foreign occupying force of rome that also is occupying this land. So they certainly would prey on fellow Israelites, but they also especially went out of their way to disrupt Roman life. So these guys were bad dudes. Uh, Luke calls them simply evildoers uh, with criminal intent. These are criminals, they're evildoers, they're people that Rome itself recognizes as bandits. And uh, I like how Kipps puts it here, we're thieves on a cross meriting mutinies cost. To be crucified like this is probably to be seen as someone who has rejected the authority of Rome to be a part of an insurrection or a mutiny, even if that meant hitting Romans over the head and taking their Roman coins. Kip wants us to see ourselves as this thief, this bandit, on a cross. And I think that kind of makes sense with what's going on in the Gospel of Luke here as well, that we identify with this bandit and with his sin with this thief on the cross, and say, yeah, that's me too. We bear mutiny's cost. That's been our problem since the Garden of Eden, that very first paradise, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God. It was mutiny. It was mutiny at its heart that caused Adam and Eve to, to break their relationship with God, to side with Satan, to become bandits and mercenaries and insurrectionists, people rebelling against the authority of the God who loved them and created them and, and walked with them in that garden paradise. Ever since then, that sin of mutiny, of rebellion, has been ours, inherited. By man came death into the world, and that death belongs to us, too. That sin belongs to us, too. It's a universal kind of condition, so that I now find myself in mutiny. Uh, I find myself as a rebel. Uh, I'm a thief on a cross, meriting mutiny's cost. That's me, too. The, the worst thing for my old sinful nature is for it not to get its own way. I want my kingdom to come. I want my will to be done. And I get angry and upset and kind of go in the corner and pout, maybe even bop somebody over the head, even if I'm not someone who sneaks into your house and takes your money or waits for you along the side of Grand River for you to come along so I can violently take your goods. Yet that, that mutiny belongs to my sinful nature.
1: We are all thieves on the cross, meriting you in his cost, destined to suffer eternal loss. We are all thieves on the cross.
0: Picking up in verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Who's Jesus talking about? There, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He could be talking about the Roman soldiers who are just doing their jobs, executing a common criminal. They could. He could be talking about the the leaders, religious leaders in Jerusalem, who colluded. Who who, through a trial, who perverted justice, who got this charge of insurrection leveled against Jesus. He's a criminal because he's called king of the Jews. Obviously, he's worthy of death. Could be them. But I think in the Gospel of Luke, the Luke who traces Jesus' genealogy back not to Abraham, but all the way back to Adam, I think in Luke, by this point in the story, we're supposed to be hearing Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. Forgive all of them. Forgive the children of Adam and Eve who carry with them that rebellion who have merited mutiny's cost. It's a universal truth that my sin also put Jesus on the cross. That when Kip refers to Jesus praying for sinners who took his life, that means he's praying for me too. It's a part of the meaning of the cross for us today. You know, you look around us and you see evidence of that universal sin. You see evidence of our natural fallenness. It's in my own nature. I see it in my relationship with other people. I see it in my own anger when I don't get my way. I think you can see it even in something like the COVID-19 stuff that's going on, the panic and the craziness, but also simply the disease. Now, I know whenever there's some kind of... uh, a natural disaster or a disease breaks out, it, it, it's often the case that some Christian group somewhere blames it on some sinners for doing something wrong. I haven't heard that yet with COVID-19, maybe because it's so widespread, or maybe I'm just not paying close enough to t- attention. I haven't been uh, tracking social media nearly as closely as perhaps I should. I found that not to be particularly helpful this last week. But usually somewhere some religious type person says this is the fault of so and so or such and such because of the evil they did. And and the problem with labeling the results of sin with a particular person or particular sin is that we're all condemned. We all fall under that judgment. COVID-19 is a part of sin being in the world. They took Jesus to the place of the skull this Earth, this fallen creation, is now a place of the skull. We live in a status where things like COVID-19 can exist, where you can have pandemics and people get sick and people even die. That's our status quo. It actually reminds me, earlier in the Gospel of Luke, in in Luke 13, there's some people on their phones that come to Jesus and they just saw something on Twitter about some Galileans that that Herod had been particularly brutal with. He mixed their blood with their sacrifices. And they're showing Jesus, you know, their Twitter feed. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? Check out social media, it's all over the place. Did you see Facebook today? The Tower of Siloam fell on 18 people and they died. And Jesus' response is, do you think those people are worse sinners than everybody else in Jerusalem? Them? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, something worse is going to happen to you. I mean, thanks a lot, Jesus. Kind, compassion, Jesus. When he get meets something like COVID nineteen, says, "You think those people who got COVID nineteen are worse sinners than everybody else in the world? No. But you better shape up, or something worse is going to happen to you too." Which is the truth of the matter. We're sinners. We're stinking sinners through and through. We are rebels. We have merited mutinies, cost. Every death, every disease, every sign of this broken and groaning creation is a sign that I too am a sinner and that I deserve that universal judgment. That particular judgment for my particular sins too. So if you don't have COVID-19 yet, don't think you're getting off easy you are going to die and so am i and jesus would say watch out if you don't repent something worse is going to happen to you now if that's all jesus said if all jesus ever said was yeah you think that's bad wait till you see what's going to happen next you stinking sinner we'd be in a pretty difficult situation today but jesus puts his money where his mouth is and he goes to places that are marked by sin He goes to places where stinking sinners get hung up on trees because of their mutiny, because of their rebellion. He makes himself one of those hung on a cross so that Kip can say, look to the man by our side. You see, that's Jesus. He puts himself in our place next to us, dying a death he doesn't deserve, being a part of a broken creation that he was a part of in the very beginning to create perfectly and beautifully and without sin and yet this brokenness now he takes into himself. That's what this rebel, this thief on the cross does. He looks to the man by his side and and look at some of the things this rebel sees. First of all, he hears Jesus pray this universal prayer for forgiveness. Father, forgive them. Forgive them all these sons and daughters of Adam and Eve for they don't know what they're doing. They are a part of a broken and sinful world. And then this thief on the cross sees the man by his side. As the leaders scoff at him, he saved others, they said, let him save himself, if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The thief on the cross watches as the man by his side is mocked by soldiers. They call out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And they put up the placard, a mocking placard of the crime of mutiny for which Jesus was convicted to die, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. That thief on the cross watches the man by his side as the other criminal on the other side of Jesus scoffs him as well. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. And then that thief on the cross takes the greatest gamble, the greatest risk of his life. Here on the cross, this thief encounters the risk of lent The risk of knowing Jesus, the risk that you're invited into tonight as well. You see, the thief has nothing or almost nothing left. He's got one last chance to justify himself, to look good in the eyes of others, to join those who are mocking Jesus and place himself above this man on the cross. And instead, the thief who knows he's a sinner, who admits and confesses, he is only getting what his deeds have deserved, also confesses Jesus as the true Messiah. In the face of religious leaders who mock him with the words, this thief professes Jesus as king. This thief rebukes the other criminal, the other bandit, the other mutineer, and says, don't you fear God, for we're under the same sentence, but we justly. This man is innocent. It's the first time in the Gospel of Luke that a believer declares Jesus to be innocent. And then he turns to the man by his side. This this Jesus was entered in to a place of judgment so that he could be next to sinners. And he takes hope that that prayer, that universal prayer, Father, forgive all of them, might also be true for him, a stinking sinner who's dying for sins he has deserved. And that thief in the cross turns and looks dead at Jesus and says, Jesus, he calls him by name. Isn't that beautiful? He doesn't say Lord, he doesn't say Master. Oh, he thinks he is Lord, he thinks he's Master. He doesn't say my King, although he claims him as his King. This man, this dying man, looks at this broken body on the cross and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What a gamble. What a risk to stand with someone who's being mocked and ridiculed, to throw it all in with this Jesus who's dying on the cross as if perhaps he could save others by not saving himself. The thief's gambit pays off. He risks everything, what little he has left. He lets go of his own self-justification, Let's go of his own desire to be right for his own will, for his kingdom to come and his will to be done, and turns that over to Jesus and says, Lord, your will be your kingdom. Remember me when your kingdom comes and your will is done. And this universal prayer, this universal absolution of Jesus, turns into a very particular promise to a very particular sinner. Truly, I tell you, Jesus says, today, today, today you will be with me in paradise. In paradise, that original relationship, the garden restored, not just heaven, but but walking and walking with God. It's the very end of the story, breaking into this point to be present it's it's the eternal victory coming into this moment even in the midst of darkness and suffering and death it's god's resurrection life being present here on the cross for if this if this thief is joined to jesus in a death like his well then he will certainly be joined with jesus in a resurrection like his that's the risk we face tonight too that's the risk we face this lent as we encounter a jesus crucified for us a jesus who enters into our broken and sinful world a world full of disease and fear and confusion and doubt a jesus who places himself under judgment for our sakes we have this risk to take this choice to make do you hold on to making yourself look good to being confident in yourself, to having confidence in in your own kingdom, in your own will? Do do you hold on to protecting yourself and your family? Do, Do you hold on to your wishes and your desires? Do you hold on to anything that can make you look a little bit better than the person next to you? Do you hold on to that? Or do you take what little you have left and place it at the foot of the cross? Having heard the universal prayer of Jesus for forgiveness, do you dare to ask this very personal Jesus, a very personal question? Jesus, remember me. Remember me, Jesus. When you come into your kingdom, when your kingdom comes, when your will is done on earth as it is in heaven, remember me. I got nowhere else to turn i got nothing left to give. Anything I would hold on to that belongs to me, that is of my own, that makes me look good in front of other people, Lord, All right, I let go of that so I can cling to you. Look to the man by our side. Three, Kip says, see how he loved us to death. Oh, I love that phrase. Thanks, Kip. Thank you for that phrase. See how he loved us to death. Weep now and beat on your breast. Kip's quoting the last few verses of Luke chapter 24. The people saw Jesus die. They saw Jesus take his last breath. They saw Jesus take the same risk that the thief had to take. Jesus himself in the face of of evidence to the contrary, trust that his father still loves him. Trust that this relationship with the father will not be eternally broken. Trust that even though his story is ending in death, death will not have the final word. Jesus says, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Jesus takes that same risk that the thief does. He trusts his father in the face of death. See how he loved us to death Weep now and beat on your breast. Watch as he summons his final breath. See how he loved us to death. Glory be to the Savior. Glory be to the Lamb. Glory be to the one who took death in his hands. That's who Jesus is. The man by our side who says, you will be with me. That is paradise, to be with Jesus. He's the one who took death in his hands, who who saw our sin and saw our shame and was willing to offer his perfect hands in the place of ours. This is Jesus. This is Jesus, the one who enters into our sinful state and the judgment that we deserved, Our rebellion, he takes on his shoulders. He's the one who loves us to death and invites us to let go of everything, take that risk and say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's the promise for you tonight. It doesn't matter what you face this week, it doesn't matter how crazy it is to have kids at home. It doesn't matter how nuts your workplace is, whether you're trying to telecommute or you're working uh, a few days this week, or every day this week, what are you doing? How crazy is your life? The world feels like it's changed just in the last week. Think of how the world changed for that thief in that moment. Hmm. Jesus turns the world upside down, so that something like COVID-19 it's still scary. It's still a sure and certain sign of the fallenness and the brokenness. It's still good to be precautious and realistic to be somewhat skeptical and natural to be somewhat afraid. Yet in that fear, in that skepticism, in that uncertainty, you have a man by your side, a man who took death in his hands, a man who rose again to life so that your death might not be the final word. And Kip gives us just the hint of Easter in his last verse as well. Witness the stone rolled away. That's from Luke chapter 24. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away. Witness the stone rolled away. We're not going to go there yet, though. For tonight, thank you for joining us online. Thank you that in the midst of your craziness and your busyness, you took time out to worship with your family, worship with your Shepherd of the Lakes community, even though it's in a different way. And know and trust that the Jesus who comes to be with you comes to be with you in particular, not just the whole world, but with you. Not just when things are good, but even when you're sitting at home watching worship on your TV or computer, because the world is a crazy place. That Jesus is with you. He stands by your side, and you can trust Him. Amen. Valerie Matthias, thanks so much for joining us back on the Next Step Press Podcast.
2: Absolutely, thank you for having me back.
0: Uh, we've talked about the secret code prayer in the past i was just wondering how did this artwork come about for page 65.
2: sure so this is kind of unique Um, you'll notice that on the visual faith experiment on page 64 at the end the prompt says then write father forgive in colorful letters above your prayer so i knew that father forgive was going to be on the top that's jesus's plea but it's also our plea, yeah. um, our plea is also the Jesus remember me. But what you'll notice is that my prayer, all of my, my confession, all of my junk, everything that I'm gonna put in the secret code prayer is resting smack dab securely on what would be Jesus's cross behind. So you notice the two thieves on the cross on the side, we are all thieves on the cross. I am those thieves. And the reality is I'm both of those thieves. Huh. I'm both the one saying, remember me, and I'm also the thief saying, what are you doing here? Why isn't my life better? Yeah. And so we're all thieves on the cross, and yet Jesus remains the one that they're looking towards and focusing on. So all of my prayers, all of my sin, all of everything um, rests on his shoulders, and he has shoulders that are big enough to take it.
0: I love that idea that this Jesus remember me is our prayer, our plea, and the Father forgive is also our prayer, but it rests on Jesus' prayer. It's his prayer first. It's his prayer when we were completely ignoring him.
2: He intercedes on our behalf. Yeah. He yeah. is my high priest. He can forgive my sins. And not just for the one week, for the forever.
0: And, and I love that image of Jesus interceding for us, kind of even when we didn't want him to. Ah. So I'd, I'd rather be I'd rather be the thief on the cross who's saying Jesus remember me, and even when I'm the Roman soldier, he's still praying Father forgive them.
2: Father forgive them. That's
0: really powerful. Is there anything else about this picture that you wanted to talk
2: about? The stones at the bottom uh, remind me that my hope is built on the foundation of Jesus. And then that stormy kind of thing mm. that's happening up in the sky. I think sometimes we forget that Good Friday was a really crazy day, mm. if you were to read the narrative. That at one point, the sun hides itself. It's pitch black in the middle of the day. Mm. Anyone there knows something big just happened. There's an earthquake, the, the, the temple curtain is torn into two. So I, in trying to somehow visually portray that Good Friday, um, not not only um was the history of the world changed but creation itself reacted to the event
0: hmm. yeah i love how you've got that so the 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 difference from the top of the image to the bottom, that all the swirls and the the, the lines that kind of really go with the banner, and then on the bottom, the, the squares of the Secret Code Prayer almost blend right into the stonework right. It's a really
2: cool, right. Right. Yeah. really cool image. Yeah. This was a joy to make. This uh, really got me thinking, and I'm hoping that the participants that interact with it will also be um, drawing closer and thinking.
0: Yeah, the Secret Code Prayer was one of the very first visual faith tools you taught me, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a real, it's a great way to focus your prayer. And I think this uh, prayer of confession, we get one on Easter Sunday too. And it's uh, it's actually going in the other direction. Would you just say a word about that too? This one's kind of up and oh. down. The other one's going left to right. Yeah. How, can you tell me about more about that.
2: Yeah, so on page 65, you'll notice that the secret code prayer is kind of more of a portrait. And then when we see the secret code prayer again, on page 115, it's actually a landscape. And it really doesn't matter which way you orientate your card to do the secret code prayer. But there is a difference here. So what happens on Good Friday and how you pray in that way in the confession and I am a thief on the cross. And then how I might pray on that Easter morning when I get to say that word yeah. on page 115 that we have buried for a time.
0: That you're um, not going to say right now. Right. Because it's Lent.
2: Right. But my, my emotion is so different, right? Um, I am still me. I am still the same person, and yet um, he has changed me, he has transformed me, and how I, I can approach my prayer and what I want to pray about can be different. And that's mm-hmm. okay, and, th- and that's and that's great. So
0: is that like a right way or a wrong way to do the secret code prayer? Like, do, do you do portrait or landscape, or is I there tell, like?
2: I tell people there's no right or wrong way to eat a Reese's, there's no right or wrong way to visual, visually pray. It's the pause, the focus, and the visual reminder. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much, God bless your Good Friday, Uh, celebrations and your resurrection feast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Valerie. That was Valerie Matthias, lead illustrator for When From Death I'm Free, a hymn journal for Holy Week from Next Step Press. You heard Valerie talk about the secret code prayer. I'll put some more information about that visual faith experiment in the description of this podcast. And you heard music from Kip Fox. You can find more information about Kip on KipFox.com. Special thanks to our friends at Shepherd of the Lakes, who invited me to preach Ash Wednesday as a part of their worshiping community. And special thanks to all of our Next Step patrons. We couldn't produce a podcast like this without their help. In fact, just today we got a new $25 a month patron. Joy, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for being on board Thank you for valuing the resources that we're putting out to help people delight in taking a next step following Jesus. Now, as you walk into Good Friday and Holy Saturday and look forward to Easter Sunday and the celebration that that brings, may the Holy Spirit guide you and protect you. May he watch over you and draw you closer to Jesus. May you experience Jesus as the man by your side who comes to join you in the worst imaginable places so that you might be his now and forever. We'll see you next time at Next Step Press.